all who listen to this happy podcast, welcome to In Waltz Time with your host, Craig Mahoney. <laughs> Gorge, that's me. Yeah, it's your old pal Craigers here. How are you, kids? How How was your holiday? How was your week and a half away? I can't believe... I'm very, very late. I know... Uh, I was going to do a special quick solo episode the week of Thanksgiving, uh, the day before Thanksgiving it would have dropped. That was just going to be me talking about the documentary that aired on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Mickey uh, through the uh, story of a mouse. That was supposed to be the, um, that dropped on, on his 94th birthday. Uh, and I was going to do a quick solo episode where I talked about that. And then uh, Wednesday, this Wednesday, was supposed to drop the episode you're listening to now with our guest, our very special guest, David Alpert of E-Ticket to Broadway. And we'll get to him in a bit. Uh, but yeah, so what happened was, it was obviously Thanksgiving week, so there was a lot, there was holiday stuff, but I've been going nuts trying to catch up on so much work. Um I'm, I'm, I got a backlog of commission work. Some of you know the deal what happened with, to me during the pandemic. Yeah, I would be kind of... Spent a lot of time just sort of, uh, you know, living in hotels and bouncing around. And there's a, there's a lot of work, <laughs> a backlog of work that didn't get necessarily get done that I have that I'm trying to finish now. Also, uh, you know, some COVID-related lingering financial debts and my dog Mickey being in the hospital, financial debts, and, and it's still some lingering symptoms of COVID, so I can only do so much work some weeks. I was so basically what happened was I spent two weeks just going crazy, drawing and painting. Uh, and I'm also, you know, I've got a few other podcasts I'm working on, so I was recording some interviews. And then the last couple of days just didn't have, um, just could not answer the bell, man. Just was was shot. And uh, recording this now on a, on a Saturday, on Saturday morning, uh, right before I have my big bowl of cereal and watch my Saturday morning cartoons. And even this is the third time I'm recording this open this Saturday morning. Uh, I originally, I started recording it and I got like about 15 minutes in and realized that I was uh, recording into my my laptop microphone and not my uh, my proper professional microphone uh so i had to re-record it and what i wanted to do was i was going to do like a nice supersized uh very special episode where i would do a quick uh take on the mickey story of a mouse documentary before we got into the david alpert uh conversation but uh you know i i can i can be verbose like i'm a little loquacious i got a lot of things to say um (laughs) It went on, all of a sudden I was looking at a 40 minute open before we got into the, and I hadn't even gotten to all my points that I wanted to make about the show before we even got to the David uh, Alpert conversation. And not only was it a, a turning into an overly long episode into what was going to be about a two hour long episode, which I, you know, maybe, maybe you like, maybe you want that, you know, I don't know, but I thought it wasn't fair to David. To uh, basically have it almost be like two parts, you know, like almost two episodes in one. Um, and that beginning part kind of taken away from him. So I decided to kill Bill it. <laughs> uh, instead of releasing one supersized episode, I'm going to edit the parts where I talk about the the Mickey documentary uh, tomorrow. Maybe re-record some bits. And I will release that as its own episode on Monday. So the episode you were supposed to get last Wednesday, you will get this Monday. And the episode, no wait, the episode you were supposed to get two Wednesdays ago, you'll get this Monday. And last Wednesday's episode you're listening to now. You got that? Good. 
All right, so we're getting caught up here. And the next Wednesday, we'll be back on schedule. And it'll be fine, and it'll be good, and everything will be wonderful. Uh, as as is the case. And, and we'll all live happily ever after. <laughs> so that's where we are. But we do have David Alpert from E-Tickets of Broadway. It's a great podcast where he speaks to uh, some, like, not only a lot of theater or Broadway people, but like legitimate stars that you have heard of uh, about their love of Disney, love of the Disney parks. And it's a great listen. You should definitely check it out. And we're going to be talking to him about his love of uh, Walt and the parks and some history and his love of Dopey uh, in particular, his, his favorite character. And it really, it's just, it's a wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it with him. Um, now, yeah, so that's coming up today. And then, like I said, Monday we're going to have a new episode for you. And then next Wednesday we'll have a new episode for you. Um, and we're going to have, I was thinking of maybe doing the Mickey documentary take as a premium bonus episode. I mean, it sort of is a bonus episode, but it will not be a premium one because that is going to be reserved strictly for takes on modern Disney stuff. And, um, if you are a premium Substack subscriber after this, you will, I will be talking a little bit about the company now. And, uh, cause as, as you may have heard, there is, if you're listening to this, you know, a podcast the week it's dropped, you, you may have heard there's been some news. Disney. <laughs> so we're going to do, we're going to have a, what about Bob's, uh, Iger and Chapek and talk all about the, uh, the 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 ousting and the bringing back of uh, Messrs. Uh, Chapek and Iger in the Disney hierarchy and sort of a, and, may, and I'll give a little bit sort of a broad overview of um, what I would like to see from the company and the parks in particular, like my my wish list. And we'll do that. That's going to be for subscribers only, uh, pre- premium subscribers only, I should say, to the Substack, craigmahoney.substack.com. It's either $5 a month or $50 a year. That's a $10 savings, boys and girls, on uh, the premium Substack. And you'll not only get a lot of extra bonus content, you'll also year-round permanently get 20% off my online store, my online art and print store, and um, but, but, but what else? Oh yeah, you'll get, you'll get uh, sneak peeks of some works in progress, some new Disney art I'm putting up there right now. There is a, uh, speaking of Mickey Mouse and through the years, I'm working on a five painting set of Mickey through the years that uh, if you are a premium subscriber, you've seen the initial like uh, pen and ink drawings of. The paint's going in now. It's looking good. Uh, and, it, and reference to that will come up later on in the show and conversation with David. But um, it's pretty cool. I like the way it's coming out. There's, uh, there's a number of different Mickeys there. Um, where We're doing Steamboat Willie Mickey. We're doing uh, Band Concert, Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, Mickey Mouse Club, Leader of the Band Mickey, and uh, Magic Kingdom uh, Mickey. Uh, from Walt Disney World specifically, and it's going to be, a, and I'm going to have a a set of a hundred. I'm going to signed and numbered prints, sets of five that you will be able to purchase when they're done. Um, well, another reason this was late is because you know I like doing original artwork for every episode, right? And and having something that sort of corresponds with each episode. And since uh, David is a huge Dopey fan, and uh, since I had an idea for a Dopey pick I've been wanting to do for a while, I said, you know, of him with the uh, when he puts the jewels in his eyes and gives that goofy look before Happy slaps him. I mean, Doc slaps him. Uh, happy doesn't slap. He might get a little slap happy, though. Doc gets slapped. Wait, Happy doesn't slap, but Doc gets slap happy. Uh, <laughs> and, and I was going to do like a quick colored pencil or watercolor one, but I was like, now nah, let's make it a little special. Because uh, not only is David a huge Disney uh, dopey fan, he's a dopey art collector. And I said, you know, let's make this look cooler. You know, look, look, look real cool. 
And I actually got a little carried away and put way more work into it than I intended. But it looks great. I love it. I think it looks really cool, uh, especially in person. Hopefully the scan that I put up uh, looks as good as it does, gets it across. Because I think it's uh, it's very simple. You know, it's a very simple idea, but it's very bold. You know, it's kind of, and I want to do, I like it so much, I think I'm going to do a series of this with a bunch of different characters. But it's really, it really pops. It's very sort of warm and vibrant and bold, and, and I like it. I like it a lot, and I'm really happy with the way it came out. And I'm a little, a little proud. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. Uh, speaking of, and I've got some other cool new Disney art. Again, this isn't necessarily a sales pitch. I'm talking about this stuff because I like it, and I think you might like it too. You, if you want to buy it, if you want to purchase these things, you certainly can. Oh, speaking of, yeah, not only so uh, we have Mickey's birthday, but uh, the anniversary, we mentioned this later on in the episode, of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, turns 85 on December 21st. So since I do like this dopey piece so much, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna run off 85 prints, sign and number them, and I'll sell those, and those will be up on my site, on my uh, big cartel shop where you can get all my original art and uh, and prints. And as I mentioned, if you become a premium Substack subscriber, you will get a special code that you could put in a checkout, which will give you 20% off year round perennially. Um, but right now, anybody. Between now and December 9th, Friday, December 9th, who enters the code CMHOLIDAY, that's CMHOLIDAY, at checkout, will get 25% off their entire purchase, anything in my store. I have some very cool Disney stuff, I have some very cool Christmas stuff, and I have some very cool Disney Christmas stuff. that I'm, I, On Nikki's birthday, I wanted to do a little something, you know, I had to do a little art piece to post for his birthday, and I love, as many of you do, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, and always been wanting to do a piece. So I did this little ink and watercolor paint, uh, illustration of Mickey as Bob Cratchit. And man, it came out, like again, not to pat myself on the back too hard, but it really, like I was, I, I was like, man, this looks almost like a professional did it. <laughs> Even though technically I'm sort of a professional. But I'm like, man, this is something like I could see on a, like Disney actually licensing and selling a product, you know. Um, I really love the way it came out. And uh, so I'm offering that as a limited run of prints. And I, oh, but I also said, you know what, let's now every Friday we'll do a little different a uh, different drawing or painting based on Mickey's Christmas Carol. So then the following Friday, I did uh, Donald holding the wreath up uh, as nephew Fred. I did not get to this week's yet. Again, I've been <laughs> a little behind. Um, back it up on a lot of stuff here. Uh, I want to do um, Goofy as Jacob Marley confronting Scrooge. So, But definitely, if you're following me on Instagram in Walt's time, you'll see all these. And if you're a Substack subscriber, you can be a free subscriber, too. You'll get the episodes. You'll get the art. If you want the behind-the-scenes stuff and the bonus episodes, you got to pay. Uh, and then you can curate it. So if you just want the Disney art and my regular art and you don't care about the Yankee stuff, the other things I do, you can you can do that as well. Anyway, uh, like I said, but yeah, so if you do want to support the podcast and if you want to make sure these episodes continue to come out every Wednesday, and if you like the art and you just want to, even if you can't buy it, but you just want to see new stuff coming, there, this is a listener-supported podcast. There will never be ads. There will never be commercials except when I'm hawking my own wares as I am right now. Um, you don't have to spend a dime, first of all, to support the podcast. You can subscribe for free to the Substack. You can subscribe uh, for free and follow on the various podcast apps and rate and review and like us. And the same thing with my Instagram account, In Walt's Time. Uh, what you can also do is, here's the most important thing, tell your friends, tell everyone you know who digs Disney, there's this other guy who digs Disney, this cat named Craigers, and you know, he's got this show about Disney, and it's a little bit of alright, it's not a bad listen, I mean, it's listen, there are worse ways to spend an hour to an hour and a half of your week, and the more listeners we get, the more of a following we get, hopefully, you know, that leads to some more 
paid subscribers and more art sales and stuff and such. Speaking of which, craigmahoney.bigcartel.com is where you can get my original art and uh, prints and the CM Holiday. That code will get you 25% off your entire purchase from now until Friday, December 9th, um, 2022. <laughs> I don't know when you're listening to this. You could be listening to this years from now in our post-apocalyptic future. What's Christmas? Um, <laughs> also, uh, T Public. Follow the link there. I got some merch up on there. So all those things... Will help. Uh, will help me. Will help the podcast. Will help you if you are a fan of the podcast and you want and you don't want to wait a week and a half uh, and you want these every Wednesday. This little, uh, hopefully, maybe it's you know, little our little time together, the little Disney security blanket, this little this little bit of Disney warmth. And uh, speaking of which, Dave is such a great guest because he brings a lot of that, and we talk a little bit about that uh, and 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 what Disney means and why it's so special and great. Uh, and I had mentioned that a little bit when I was talking about the Mickey <laughs> documentary, but I went on, I went on a little bit. There's a lot going on there and it's cool. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that uh, and we'll release that as a separate episode. So, so we'll still end up having the same ep- number of episodes. And then the bonus one where I'll talk about a, a lot of the, a lot of the doings going on currently around Disney and um, what I want to see from the parks and uh, hopefully I'll see you at the parks. I'm trying to I'm trying to make it there in early February. Again, another reason you should uh, <laughs> become a premium subscriber. Maybe buy some art. Uh, we're coming. It is it is that time of year where we come hat in hand and beg for charity. Anyway. Uh, this talk is really great. I enjoyed it a lot. Dave uh, has got some great stuff, and I and I um. And and just a great outlook and and a great sort of uh, point of view about Disney and uh, what it means, as I said. So, again, I hope you enjoy hearing this talk as much as I enjoyed having it. David Albert. I got your your bio here. I'm going to tell the kids... All the boys and girls listening, who you are now? You're you you have experience on Broadway as a, as a director. You've directed plays and stuff. So I'm I'm going to read a, an abbreviated version of your bio, and, I, and you can judge me on the quality of my read here okay. <laughs> as a director. All right. So who are you listening? We have David Alpert. David Alpert is an award-winning New York City-based director whose work has been applauded by both the New York Times and the New Yorker. As a director of both plays and musicals, his work has taken him across the country and has brought him into rehearsal rooms with some of the leading players in the Broadway community. On Broadway, he served as the associate director on If Then, written by the Pulitzer Prize-winning team of Tom Kent and Brian Yorkey. Also, the Tony Award-winning production of The Trip to Bountiful, starring Cicely Tyson, the late, great Cicely Tyson. Um, and Vanessa, paint with all the colors of the wind, Williams. And he assisted on The Best Man, starring Disney legends James Earl Jones, the recently dearly departed Angela Lansbury. Uh, and Candace Bergen, uh, known to most people as Murphy Brown, but also daughter of close Walt Disney friend Edgar Bergen. And I believe there are stories of her actually hanging out at the old home and riding around on the Carrollwood Pacific Railway. Uh, and uh, you, it was well as assistant director on our associate director on my the revival of my single all time favorite musical ever. Uh, I was in it in high school. Guys and Dolls. Love it. Uh, in addition to his work directing for the stage, David serves as a creative director for Tony Award winner and Disney legend, you know her, you love her, Idina Menzel. He was the founding artistic director for BroadwayCon, is an adjunct professor of acting at NYU, and frequently collaborates with the Broadway Green Alliance and Constellation Immersive, directing the immersive Elf on the Shelf holiday experiences. He is also, now here's where it's relevant to this podcast, boys and girls, the creator and host of E-Ticket to Broadway, a podcast that features Broadway stars 
sharing their love and stories of the Disney theme parks. Guests include Voice of Meg from Hercules and the original Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, Susan Egan, the aforementioned Idina Menzel, uh, voice of Ariel herself, Disney legend Jody Benson, the voice of Jafar, Jonathan Friedman, Titus Burgess, and many more. David, it's a delight. Good morning. How are you? How was your Thanksgiving? It was. It was delightful. That was. It was very wonderful to hear uh, <laughs> you so excited about the things I've done. Thank you for that. It. it uh, <laughs> you know, I also like to share. I also worked at Disneyland on the Autopia which is probably my greatest oh. credit today. But yes, uh, I'm mm-hmm. good. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. I always love talking about Disney. Yeah. Now we're going to go on. Um, obviously, the uh, name and raison d'etre of this podcast is all about in Walt's time, uh, talking about his life, lifetime. And you um, now in your podcast, you talk to a lot of guests about the parks and stuff. So I'm guessing their memories, how many of their memories stretch back to, you know, Disneyland uh, while Walt was still alive. Do you get anybody? Uh... Yeah, I think um, definitely Jonathan Freeman spoke about his time there, uh, which is mm. always great to hear Jafar talking about, you know, fantasy land. <laughs> uh, I think Patrick Page uh, also was there. But, you know, most excitingly, my father and his two brothers went to Disneyland. They think it was either opening summer or the next summer, but they went multiple times in the late 50s. So they were definitely there right when uh, Disneyland was getting started as they were born and raised in L.A., so oh, okay. yeah, there's some memories of you know those early days. I think most of the other guests, you know, they don't hit until the 60s or 70s or 80s. But yeah, um, yeah, there are some that that talk about those very very early days in Anaheim. Well, and you and you know, you worked on one of the, the you know the opening day attractions, Autopia. That was you know Bob Gurr's baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was it? What was it like work working on working on that? Especially like. Just you know, being being a cast member at Disneyland, but also like working on one of the original attractions and sort of you know something that had that much history. What was that like? It was a, a real honor. I think I worked there for the 50th anniversary, which you know that celebration itself mm-hmm. was so exciting. It was really one of the first times that the Disney parks had a year long, really dedicated ceremony or excuse me, celebration of Disneyland history, which was really cool. And some would say it's still the only time they had a really special year long 50th anniversary celebration. Perhaps, you know, (laughs) I'm a a fierce, uh, fiercely I'm a land boy and uh, I appreciate the other parks, but you know, having visited uh, another park that's going through the 50th, I was like, you know what? Disneyland really did this well. Uh, but I would say, yeah. you know, when I applied to work there, it was kind of on a whim. I was in college, you know, and, and it was nice to have a job where I wasn't in charge. And I was like, I'm going to go work at Disneyland. And they said, you know, attractions. I was like, great. And they said, Tomorrowland attractions. I said, oh, Space Mountain, Star Tours. It's going to be awesome. And I was like, please not the Autopia. <laughs> and sure enough, I was going <laughs> you know, which is the the only guest controlled vehicle. Um, in the park. So there's many cast members and it's really exciting. Not that the Autopia was one of my favorite attractions, but that summer it was the joy of, you know, this was an opening day attraction, as you mentioned, but also the joy of Autopia is when you see the kids get to drive for the first time and, yeah. and the thrill of that. And that was really exciting to, you know, put them in their car. And, and also I got to side pedal. If you've ever seen a cast member <laughs> side pedaling on Topia, it's the coolest thing where you literally just jump on the side of the car. And um, but it was it was really exciting. It was it was a really wonderful summer. I did a lot of guest control too for the fireworks and parades. And you know, it's it's great. I love I love the Disney parks and and having a chance to work as a cast member was such a great honor, especially on Autopia. 
Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I always when I think of Autopia because I uh, hopefully next year I will make my way to uh, Disneyland for the first time. I've been to uh, been to the, the wor- world many times, but because um, I, I am an East Coast guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I grew up about I about forty minutes from where we're recording. Um, but uh, I always when I think of Autopia, I always think of that that opening day TV special, and because uh, I'm a huge Sinatra guy. And I think yeah, of yeah. Frank and riding with Frank Jr. and then Sammy Davis coming up and rear-ending him when he's on <laughs> camera getting interviewed. <laughs> yes. That's, you, that's my Autopia memory. And anyone listening, the Autopia, they're not bumper cars. Do not bump the car in front of you. Please do not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, Sam, Sammy Davis Jr. could get away with it usually. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't have that kind of pull. So no. what got you? Um, now, you mentioned, you know, your, your, your family's from L.A., um, you know, went to Disneyland, you know, uh, growing up themselves. So my guess is, you know, you grew up sort of immersed in entertainment in, in general, but, uh, what, what brought you, uh, into Disney specifically? It's a great question. You know, my, my dad, you know, born and raised in Inglewood. My mom's actually from Paris and, uh, no kid. That's right. Yeah. Ended up in LA, um, for her senior year of high school. She actually went to grad night. Um, and what's funny is I was oh, home wow. recently and found, you know, I have photos of my father at the parks at a young age. And of course, me and my sisters at a young age there. But I was like, mom, I wish there was a photo. And she was like, I don't know. And then as I was going through some boxes of photos from my grandmother, um, who sadly passed away in the early 90s, we're finally going through some boxes. And there was a trip that my mom took in the 60s. And we compared it and we're like, this trip that my mom took was very close to when my dad was there. And we're like, you guys could have been there around the same time. So <laughs> we, you know, my I was born and raised in Michigan, but we had the family in LA. So we'd go out there. And there was this one day each trip that we'd all get to go to Disneyland. And as a kid, you know, of course Disneyland is magical. But I think for us, you know, driving around LA from the valley to Santa Monica to see family, mm-hmm. there was a lot of stress. But of course there was this one day yeah. where I'll just went to Disneyland. And as a kid, It was so magical and not just in terms of Disney magic, but in terms of just life magic of Mm -hmm. both sides of the family being there and traditions that my parents shared with me. Um, It was really special. And I don't remember, and I asked this a lot on my podcast is when did you realize that you loved it more than the other people? You know, I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when I go to universal and I think like, this is really fun. And I'm like, I'm good. I can leave. Yeah that's how some people feel about Disney. And I'm like, that's odd for me. It is. And I think for you and for many people listening, there's something deeper. So, you know, as a kid, we loved the Disney movies. My parents shared their love, their parents love. It just felt like that's what you do. So Mm -hmm. from a young age, it was always a very special part of my life. And as we've talked about, I'm sure it's going to come up. I loved Dopey as early as I can remember. And here I am nearing 40 and I still really love dopey. It's just kind of part of who I am. Which is yeah, so, well, I'm, I'm 44 and I'm not, if you were to meet me and just were to meet at a bar, which would be a pretty good chance of a place where you'd meet me. Uh, you probably like talking to me. You would, I probably don't read to a lot of people immediately like Disney, fan, you know, Disney adult. Um, you know, I'm definitely like one of the things I said in the first episode is I'm not, I I'm I'm probably a little more cynical <laughs> like type of guy than most people but I think that is part of the appeal to me is that you know like that there is there is that um 
you know, that, that little comfort zone, the place you can go. Well, and <laughs> also where it's like, I was like, as, as you said, like Walt on his opening day speech said Disneyland's meant for the young and the young at heart. And just like mm-hmm. the Disney movies, which are anything from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to Treasure Planet to the parks yeah, where you can go on Mr. Toad or you can go on Space Mountain. Disney is not one thing. It is about mm-hmm. imagination and love and adventure. And so you can wear a, a Yankees hat and have a beard and wear a black shirt. And, you and can, I do. And you do. And you can like Disney <laughs> just as much as that person wearing, you know, aerial bound. You know, like it's just, yeah. I, and I, I'm getting on my soapbox a bit. To think like, <laughs> Fine, this is the place for it. You know, like we're allowed to love these things. And, you know, I just think like, Disney, there's something about Disney that anyone can relate to. Relate. Well, it always was, you know, like, and really, like, the, the whole point of the the movies, like, you know, Disney said he makes movies for families. And the whole point of Disneyland was that, you know, he would take his daughters to Griffith Park and they'd ride the carousel and he'd sit on the bench. And he'd be like, there should be something for families to do for together. There should be something for the adults and for the kids. And you know, that really is for people, well, people are like, oh, you're, you know, these weirdo Disney adults who go to the parks by themselves. And I, and I go by the, I go to the park by myself and it's the best. <laughs> um, but you know, it's not just, a, it never was meant to be a, just a kid's thing. Even you mentioned they had the grad nights, they would have like the yeah. date nights and the grad nights. It was always meant to be, I think somewhere, somewhere like the sixties and seventies, like an animation really like cartoons you know, what the became a kid's thing and stuff but snow white and the seven dwarfs was like that was a fantasy movie like a musical like that was like right up there well you know kind of inspired um i think got mgm to pull the trigger on on the wizard of oz uh but that really was like they didn't have you know you there was no other way to really do snow white and the seven dwarfs and do it well at that time other than an animation right. um and and you know, adults went to see it just like they saw. You know, they there's talk like Spencer Tracy crying at the premiere. You know, it was never it was never meant just for uh, just for kids, especially the early when you look at those early shorts, late twenties and stuff. And there, are, <laughs> there's some stuff. It's like Mickey, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the new Mickey Mouse documentary on Disney Plus? I did. I did. Actually, you know, it's funny. Right. I meant to uh, do a special, uh, a very a special episode where I was going to sort of review and go over it. Um, but I was just cramming, trying to get a bunch of artwork finished for Black Friday and holiday sales and whatever. Um, but I, I liked it a lot. I, I think, I think if you are a Disney fan, I think it's perfect. I think it's, it's, um, it, it was, it's trying to do like two things, which I think the Disney company is having a hard time doing now as, you know, we are our polarized society or culture wars or whatever, where it's a company that wants to be. Uh, welcoming to everybody and inclusion of everybody and but still that sort of family middle american values you know nostalgic thing and it was it was interesting when they talked about like especially some of the counterculture stuff in the 60s and 70s and like it it seemed to me like this was definitely an attempt well not just to go over the history and to lionize mickey and, and they you know they lionized walt a little bit in it but i think they were definitely trying to show that mickey was cool Mickey is still cool. Like, 
like the counterculture stuff, it wasn't like, oh, they weren't really making fun of them. Like Mickey was kind of in on it. Like it almost seemed like that's the way where they were trying to spin it there. But I did not expect to hear David Bowie in, um, yeah, right. and, and I started hearing the, op- I started hearing Life on Mars. I was like, wait a second. I was like, oh, that's right. He mentions Mickey Mouse in the yeah. song. <laughs> He's everywhere. And also, you know, what I liked about the documentary too was to point out they're like, yeah, we made some mistakes and we learned from our mistakes and we make it better. And, um, I really enjoyed it. I was going to say earlier, not, not to circle back, but you mentioned um, Snow White inspiring Wizard of Oz. And it's one of my favorite trivia is, you know, the, there's a deep connection between Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and the Wizard of Oz. Do you know this? Specifically, I do the Lollipop Guild, the voice actors? Not the Lollipop Guild, but... but I thought it was the Lollipop Guild. Well, the voice... And the mayor. What is that trivia? I don't know if I know that. Um, apparently they did not like some of the voices of the actual, the actors who played the munchkins. Right. So some of, so some of Disney voices, I think like Pinto Colvick, who was the voice of Grumpy, they did the voices. I think they did the lollipop guild and stuff and they like sped up their voices to make them a little higher. But I think those are, um, and what was it? Was it Billy Belcher? I think maybe did the voice of, uh, whatever. Yeah, we're gonna. Um, you know what, Spencer Wright is. A, he's a book on Disney voices. He's going to be on in a in a in a week or two, and we'll get deeper into that. But yeah, I believe yeah, there was some of the dwarf voices were used for some of the Munchkin voices. That's amazing. I was going to say <laughs> Adriana Castellotti, who was the voice of Snow White, is the voice of Juliet in "If I Only Had a Heart." When the Tin Man is singing, and you hear Juliet's voice said, "Where for art thou, Romeo?" It's the voice of Snow White, which I always found oh! it to be so thrilling so i was like that's snow white that's snow white's horse <laughs> that i did not know that cool yeah the things oh, i that's think that's really about, cool the things i think well, it about. is amazing you know and that's one of the things i want to get into it like in, in yeah. general just the fun this podcast is how much uh disney and you know the stuff you know especially the stuff walt produced and was involved in because he was in so much that you know has influenced like so many aspects of our lives. Um, like even, cause I remember when I first started really getting back into Disney, like a lot a few years ago and just back into animation in general. And I rewatched snow white for the first time in years. And she goes, you know, she's singing the wishing song and she starts with, you know, do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? And I was like, Oh my God, that's where John and Paul got that from. Mm-hmm. It's the Beatles song. Do you want to know a secret? Ooh, um, do you promise not to tell? Wow. <laughs> They, the Beatles <laughs> cribbed Snow White. <laughs> well, it is such a part of American culture and and not just America, but, and it's so funny when people are like, oh, I don't like Disney. I was like, it's like in Devil Wears Prada when Meryl Streep's character is like, you may think you don't like fashion, <laughs> but you don't understand how much fashion impacts your life. And, you know, everyone's yeah. like, Disney this, Disney that, and they give it a bad rap. It's like, you know, it, it's at its core, Disney is about, you know, being authentic and, love and fantasy it's like that's pretty cool to me yeah. and like you were saying like the counterculture at disneyland it's like so many of their disney protagonists are rebels are the ones trying to push for change like yeah much there yeah that is that is a uh and they kind of neil gabler in his biography kind of makes that point a little bit that like walt disney you know that is sort of like you know for as much as walt was seen as sort of the very uh you know stick in the mud white bread 50s American conformist America or whatever like yeah all those protagonists were kind of you know rebelling against something they were you know seeking to be if, if nothing else just be individuals you know um 
yeah, there is there is a there is a lot there, and and it is you know even at Disneyland from the from the beginning was um you know it was never just one thing it was you know with the lands themselves they were like all right we're going through all these genres it wasn't just all fantasy land you know you had right. Adventureland you had Frontierland and even in Fantasyland I believe I might be wrong with this but I believe the original concept behind the dark rides were like each one was supposed to bring about a different emotion. Like the Snow White one oh. was just specifically scary. It was supposed yes. to be like fear. <laughs> yeah. And the Alice in Wonderland one was supposed to be like like wonder. And then there was supposed to be like excitement. But like each one was supposed to bring like a different like primal emotion. Like I, I can't I, – I got to I gotta relook that up. But, well, I'd be but I like how – Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is confusion or <laughs> 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 existential dread. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting, I never, I, I, I haven't heard of that, but you know, it's funny. I took my nibblings to Disneyland for the first time in August and to, to see the park from a kid's point of view and not just their point of view, but also the rides that we went on. I was like, all oh, right, you can do just a kid's day at Disneyland and never mm-hmm. make it into the deep parts of Tomorrowland or Adventureland. Like, um, it, it's just fascinating how it truly is something for everyone. It's, I love taking people to the parks that don't they're like oh i don't i'm not a big disneyland fan i was like give me a day give me one yeah. day and i will change your mind <laughs> and well especially now because they have you know the california adventure and the pixar pier and all that stuff they you know there is so much and the galaxy's edge and everything but even just in the magic kingdom i mean like really you're gonna tell me you don't like pirates of the caribbean or the haunted mansion i mean come on i know, <laughs> I, know. I, I don't care how much of an adult you are you know like oh you, you don't like mickey mouse you don't like princesses that's fine you're gonna like space mountain you're gonna like the haunted mansion and pirates you are yeah <laughs> yeah and that's you know i actually i just rewatched uh the original treasure island for the first time and it is uh it, it, like again and that's where we get the whole talking like a pirate thing is like that movie that it introduced that sort of patois there. Yeah. Um, so how did so now? How did you end up going from uh, now? Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about your background, non Disney background on the theater. How did you get, in, yeah. get into that? Um, I've always wanted to be a director. It's it's that strange thing where if you would have met me, you know, in the early '90s, I would have been like, "Hey, I'm David. I love Disneyland. I want to be a director, and I love Dopey." And here we are saying like, hey, I'm David and uh, it's 2022, almost 2023. And I, I'm a director and I love Disneyland. I love Dopey. So not much has changed, which is either really great or really terrifying. I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, but my parents loved theater. You know, my mom uh, was a ballet teacher for quite some time. My dad's actually a rabbi, but loves theater, loves Disney. And um, a rabbi and a ballerina. There's I a. I know. There's a romantic comedy to, that's yet, yet to be written. That's that's what you got to do. Get on that, right? That script. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just always loved it. And we were fortunate enough to have a lot of great theater that came through our town in Michigan. And I just loved theater as a whole. I, you know, I, I would design lights. I would be in some shows, but I knew I wanted to be a director. Um, so I just kind of went for it. My, my family was very supportive. And, you know, what I talk about a lot of my podcast too is that most of the time, Disney is our introduction to theater, to musical theater. Mm-hmm. You know, we we learn of Alan Menken and Howard Ashman and Stephen Schwartz often through Disney. And then we're like, oh, my gosh, they also wrote some Broadway shows. Um, yeah. And the first time we see a stage production is either Disney on Ice or, you know, a, a, a stage show at the Disney parks. So it's really where we learn to me. No, I think that was the first time I ever saw some sort of live. It was Disney on Ice in the Meadowlands. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like. 
you know, at its core, what we do when we're producing a, a show is the same as what Walt is doing with the Imagineers on a dark ride. You're you're making the yeah. audience experience something. You're telling a story. You're helping them focus. And so to me, they go hand in hand. And so I, I just kind of always wanted to do it. I've been lucky and um, went to college for it, moved to New York 15 years ago and and hit the ground running. And it's cool. And I, it was, you know, the podcast E-Ticket to Broadway started in the pandemic when two of my shows were canceled. And my agents at the time were like, you should do something. And a former college professor, Sarah, was like, what about a podcast? You know, and we're talking through some stuff. And uh, it was really amazing to see the connection between these Broadway stars and Disney parks. I mean, it's just yeah. hand. And so theater's always been a big part of my life. And and I, I love what the theater does. I love that it's a shared experience with the audience and the, the cast and crew and the creative team. And it's really great. Yeah. I, um, yeah, the amount of podcasts that were born during the pandemic, <laughs> I actually meant to get like stuff off the ground. I guys, I was, and I've mentioned this before, but I was really sick. I'm still like, have whatever the long COVID stuff is here and there. Like, but, um, but I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to get so much stuff done. And I basically, I was like in bed for months. <laughs> Cause wow. I got, I got, I was like the first person I knew who got it. I got sick of like late March, 2020. And it was uh yeah, that was, um, it was an interesting year, but I rewarded myself with a trip to uh Disney world in late uh, September, 2020. And it was uh the day that I touched down there. Cause I hadn't been there. It's a long story. And I went over it here on the show earlier, but it was like, it was like literally the greatest day of my life. <laughs> and I, and I, cause it was my first time at galaxy's edge and I'm a huge star Wars guy. Oh, cool. And, and, um, but I just remember, and it was a long day, but I do remember getting there and seeing the money in Falcon. And I cried. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I'm wearing a mask and I have sunglasses on. No, you take, <laughs> well, don't take the mask off, but you take the glasses off and you share that love. Cause like, I'm not a star Wars person. And I, you know, it, in Disney world, it's great. In Disneyland, it was a little upsetting to me that they're changing Walt's park. And it felt like, okay, yeah. galaxy's edge Avengers, that should be a third park, but mm-hmm. whatever. But seeing true star Wars fans, have that feeling when they see the Millennium Falcon. It's like that's how I feel when I see the castle. So I get it. it it's and and well, I, I I'm that way even in Magic Kingdom. Oh yeah, like I didn't cry. Too, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, like there's an emotional connection to Star Wars, which um, does feel Disney at times. You know, watching some of the movies, yeah. it's like it is fantasy. You know, it's it's there. So I'm, I'm glad you had that experience. <laughs> Love that. Well, I think there is, there, I think like star Wars and Muppets sort of being a part of Disney makes it. Cause I think Lucas and Henson and Disney were all very similar yeah. in certain ways. Uh, they, it, it, and the, the thing that the Muppets and star Wars and Disney all have in common, especially like Muppets during Henson's era is uh, there's a huge debt to nostalgia in all of them. The original star Wars movies, especially. Um, and but also, but of a, a uh, real, like sort of enthusiasm and love for finding all these new innovative technological ways to, you know, whether it's working with puppets or television or movies or special effects or animation or, or you know, theme parks or whatever. Finding like they loved technology, they loved innovation to actually create this very warm, nostalgic. <laughs> Right. property you know and, and they all they, to me they are they they do kind of fit together uh as a piece there um but you know it's it's interesting you know that um you know when you look at like the history of entertainment it all started on the stage in the most it was all live performance and then you know and, and walt you know obviously you grew up you know seeing some old silent movies and whatever and some live performances and things and i think snow white you know was first done as a stage play before 
uh, it became a silent movie. But, you know, Walt kind of went from like as far away as you could from live performance where he started with drawings, animation, moving characters and stuff, and then gets into live action. And then the theme part where it's like, it was like, all right, we're going to take the, the, this concept and we're in these drawings. And then we're now we're going to find a way where we can do it with real people on the screen. And now we're going to find a way where we could do this, like, and have you a part of it and make you and bring it into the real world itself. And, and it is interesting. I think, uh, you know, your podcast, especially is because I do think the parks is, uh, for, for people who are in the, the theater and stuff, I could see them really loving the parks even more so than maybe a lot of the movies and cartoons, because mm-hmm. there is that, like the whole, it, you are in a, almost a live theater production, you know, the yeah. whole thing is is live theater right down well, you know from the guy selling balloon on main street to you know even the custodians forget, i mean walt disney said disneyland is a show he said it mm-hmm. you know like there's a great book called walt's disneyland and it's a it's really fascinating and it's about anyone that's quoted in the book had to have known and worked with walt disney so it's truly getting to know him and and a big part of it, it's like as they were explaining his genius i was like yeah this is like directing a show it's it's really having a looking at every single thing from a perspective focal point to the way characters speak and move. It's, it's all, it's a big production that you get to walk through. It's, it's really exciting. There's a huge yeah, overlap. And even figuring out how to like, you know, direct your eye, you know, like we want people to see, to be looking at this at this time when they pass through, you know, these attractions, why not? How much now as you know, at the time that you were working uh, there, when you were a cast member, and again, they call everybody there who works there cast members. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the time that you were a cast member there, how much you know, were you at the beginnings of sort of your real, you know, sort of Disney enthusiast uh, thing? Where, like, did you did you take the time there to maybe learn about the history? Did you want to go like, can I go see this and see that and check yeah. this out? I mean, by the time I, I mean, that was 2005. So I was already... Mm-hmm deeply into Disneyland history and loved it. I remember, you know, everyone takes traditions the first day and they, they teach you some more history and most of it I knew. But to me, the coolest part of working there was the first day as you're, you know, you walk in the park and they're like, okay, follow me. And you're like, I'm about to go backstage for the first time in my life. I'm about to go backstage again, a theater term. And you do that. And it's such a strange experience because you're like, I've been inside this berm for at that point, 20 years. And just on the other side, I've never seen this. And it's a different world back there. And it was really exciting to see, to me, as I think it's as as director, when I see the care in which the creators took to make it such an amazing uh, guest experience, it makes me love it even more. When I can see the strings, when I can see the lights focused a certain way, when I can see how they did it, I love it more. It's something my mom said to me when I was a kid on the dark rides, I would be turning around in my seat to look and see, oh, that's where the light is. Or, oh, this is when, if you can keep looking backwards, you can see the the scary witch turn back to the queen for the next ride vehicle. I was always mm-hmm. obsessed with that. And it made me love it more. It didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew, and this is probably why I'm, uh, you know, a theater director. It's like. People will say, oh, I don't I don't like to know how they did it. I want to keep the magic alive. And to me, it's like, I think it's more magical when you see the care that one human being took to make another human being feel a certain way. To me, that's the Disney magic. Mm-hmm. It's when people say, you know that Mickey Mouse, it, it's, it's just someone in a costume. And I was like, 
yes, intellectually, I understand that, but emotionally, it's more magical when you realize that these are two human beings that want to make each other feel something. To me, that's the Disney magic. It's when you know yeah. that it's a lot of care. And for kids, no. I mean, I'm not going to say to my nibblings, you know, <laughs> this, you know, and I, and I try and keep the magic alive as much as I can when they, you know, when they, I FaceTime them from the parks before they get to go and I show them the Matterhorn. And they said, is that real? Is that a real mountain? And I say, well, it looks real, doesn't it? You know, yeah. and I don't like, I, I share this once in the podcast. I was on Pirates and, uh, the the beautiful fireflies that that are there as you're leaving. Again, you haven't been to. Now, you only get in Disneyland. You don't get them in the in, oh, I know. in uh, Orlando. I know. <laughs> that's why, that's why I need to go. To you have to go to Walt's Park. But you know, like someone, I was behind this family, and the kid was like, "Are those fireflies real?" And the parent said, "No, they're just little lights." And I was so mad, and I was like, "Why would you ruin that for that kid?" You just say it looks real, doesn't yeah. it? Or like, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, anyway, I know I mean, they're, they're they're those. I mean, they are real. Those are things that exist, and they're just they're not maybe fireflies in the tradition in the traditional sense. Yeah. But they are said, like they are. like the Matterhorn is a real mountain. It's just made yes. of different stuff. That's, right. That's a good way to think of it. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's funny you say you know Mickey like oh we know what's a person in the costume even out of the costume because the last time I was there was uh, almost a year ago. I was there for the I try to go every year to uh, Epcot for the arts festival. Um. Hopefully one of these years I will be one of the artists there. Uh, yeah. But so I, but I had a really weird trip. My mother was uh, watching. Just, I've I told this story in like one of the first ep- the first episode, but I'm gonna real quick uh, version of it here. So the day I get there was uh, my mother was watching the dog and she he, he was having some breath issues, so she had to take him to the vet to get checked. The next day I'm at Magic Kingdom having lunch by myself and I get a call from the vet that like he's got kidney issues and they had you so you should get him to the hospital and everything what long story short he's fine he's fine now he's he's here in the room with me he, everything worked out but at the time we didn't it's like no he's in the beginning stages of kidney failure you got to get in the hospital and I'm in the second day of a five-day trip here and I'm like even in, I was like should I come back home she's like well he's gonna be here for a few days there's not really much you could do anyway so now I'm like by myself <laughs> in Disney World <laughs> you know like and I'm Balling my eyes out, the Liberty Tree Tavern by myself, big six one, two hundred twenty at the time, two hundred forty five pound bearded dude crying by himself at the table and just ruined it. So when you talk about taking your glasses off for pictures, because I actually bought the photo pass and I tried getting it, my eyes were so red and raw. Mm-hmm. So the picture I got of myself in front of the castle later, I was like, I can't show this to anyone. <laughs> this is unusable. But anyway, so long story short, I was supposed to go to Epcot afterwards and I said, screw this. I went immediately to Disney Springs. I, I was like, I got to get myself to a bar, put myself in front of a Guinness. I got to call a friend. I got to calm down. But I ended up going to this one bar, the uh, the restaurant uh, at the Edison, and I'm sitting at the bar there, and there are these uh, two girls, and I was like, they ha- there's only one free stool, and they both have their coats on the stool. Now it's like 55 degrees out. They both have winter coats. So I said to them, I said, let me guess, you two are locals, because you, you know, uh, it's cold for you guys. <laughs> I'm from New York. It's not that, you know, it's a hoodie weather down here. And they're like, yeah, we're cast members, and we were supposed to... Um, they were supposed to have a celebration at the park that day, but because it was raining, they ended up uh, canceling it. That was supposed to be like their 10,000 cast member, you know, thing in, in front of the castle, which is probably why the park was empty that day. Uh, so I was like, oh, I was like, what do you do with the one girl? Actually, she runs the VIP tours and stuff. 
And then the other girl was just like, oh, I'm a character. I was like, oh, she's like, I was like, who? She's like, well, I'm really not supposed to say. And her friend goes, she's Mickey Mouse, the Magic mm. Kingdom. I was like, no way. I was like, you're Mickey Mouse. I was like, that it was friends, the most exciting thing. Friends with Mickey Mouse. You have to say she's <laughs> friends with. But yeah, that's really it's, cool. And then I was like, I was like, I bought her a drink. And I was like, I'm having a drink with Mickey Mouse. I was like, this is so, even out of the costume, the fact that I got to meet. And I was like, if I come to the park, like when you were there next, if I do like a special wave, can you do like a special wave? back? <laughs> so like even even out of the costume, that magic, at least for me, is still there. Like to know that I was like, oh, my God, I'm sitting yeah. next to Mickey Mouse. That's the thing. It's, it's like really when you ask, like, what's it like to work on the Utopia? It's an honor. It's like, what would it be like to be friends with Mickey? Like the few people I've spoken with that do characters, I think that's also such an incredible honor to, you know, to do that, to bring that joy and magic. And like, you're on, like, I don't think people will remember the cast member that put them in their first Autopia car, but they will certainly remember meeting Mickey Mouse on main street. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. such a, that's such a cool thing. I actually, you know, and I, I, I was just home yesterday. I was back and we had yesterday was my Thanksgiving. Uh, I went down to my father, but I, I, I completely forgot. There was a picture, one of the few pictures I have that I remember of my first trip to Disney World. There is a me with Dopey. And I remember like that was one of like the first characters I, I met there. And I was like, oh, man, I should I should have see if my mother could get that. So I could post yeah, yeah. it for, the, for this remember, episode, especially. I remember like when I met Mickey the first time or not Mickey, excuse me, Dopey. And like, you know, the scale is totally off. We were like, yeah. <laughs> But I remember hugging him and his face was so cold and plastic. Yeah. Like I was like, something's weird. Something's <laughs> weird here. But, you know, I didn't, as a kid, I couldn't quite comprehend what was weird about it. But um, yeah. I love, I have, a, I think I've got a photo of me with Dopey as a kid. And, you know, it's just great. Because again, like, it's always interesting. Every time I see Mickey, I always say, Mickey, do you remember me? And he always says yes. And it's always great. It's <laughs> great with Dopey is, is because Dopey doesn't talk it's it's fine that he doesn't talk in the barks like it's it's like yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't kind of yeah it's not that thing like why doesn't i remember asking like why don't why don't why don't they say anything yeah i mean <laughs> they, the did, they did anything. briefly and it it was a little strange but um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always um again that's the thing it's that universal language it's it's love it's mickey's always smiling he's always happy to see you it's i mean it's that it's great that was the great thing about that um that, that the Mickey uh, documentary on Disney Plus, um, the story of a mouse, it, the, it, right in the beginning when it shows those like the slow motion shots of the kids running up to Mickey on Main Street, like I like that was I was like I was I was like is it getting dusty in here? It's uh, it was it was so it wonderful. Is, listen, Craig, it is okay to cry. You, I, <laughs> I want you to feel that it doesn't matter what you know, sex you are, how old you are, what you look like. It is always okay to cry, especially at a Disney park. You always have the permission to feel love and cry. There's well, the last time I cried there, it had nothing to do with love. It was ugly crying. But I went, I immediately, after I finished lunch, I went on Space Mountain because I'm like, nobody mopes on Space Mountain. So, at least. so I will tell you, the Disney World Space Mountain is terrifying. When you go to Disneyland and go on Space Mountain, <laughs> you will see the difference. I was a little scared for my life on the Walt Disney World Space Mountain. It's a little it was- rickety. It's a little rickety. You, they reopened Space Mountain in Disneyland the summer I worked there. And so the way in which they test out attractions are, you know, Disney's very uh, focused on the safety, of course. So they do sandbags and they they eventually get cast members before guests. So I got to ride it like 17 times in two days because they just needed people and because I was working nearby. And that Disneyland Space Mountain is so smooth and wonderful. So when I went, 
the summer to Walt Disney World, I was like, this is a different experience. And I don't think I need to do the version again. It's a little bit, it feels a little bit like a death trap. <laughs> it does. It feels like a carnival ride in a weird, and, and again, like that, I don't mean yeah. to just, people love it, and but it, it's just a different experience. And I, I wasn't prepared for that. Well, it is weird because, you know, if you're flying through, you know, space, there yeah. shouldn't be, there's no like air pressure. There's no turbulence yeah. or whatever. It should be yeah, a smooth, be smooth. ride. <laughs> right. So when you go to yeah. Disney, uh, go Space Mountain and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. I, I have, I have to get out there. Um, now let's, let's talk. So e-ticket to Broadway. Uh, so how, so how did this come about? Like, cause obviously, I mean, you have your love for the parks, you have your, you know, your, your, your career in theater. So it seemed like a, a no brainer, but did you, did you find, were, were you initially like, I don't know how many people I'm going to be able to get on who are going to talk about it. Were you a little surprised at yeah. the amount of people you could have on talking about their love for the parks? Yes. So when I, uh, was, I was the founding artistic director of Broadway con and it was the first time I was at a fan convention. I've never been to D 23 expo and, it was interesting. I was like, oh, that's what fandom is. I didn't quite mm-hmm. see it. And I, as much as I love working on shows and love seeing shows, I'm not part of the Broadway fandom. Like mm-hmm. in my apartment, I don't have show posters up. I don't have, you know, I don't collect playbills. I don't stage door. I appreciate it. But I was like, what is my fandom? I was like, oh, it's Disneyland. I went to another convention yeah. and spoke on a panel about Disney parks. And I was like, yes, I get it. This is my people. And so at Disneyland, or excuse me, at Broadway Con, I would, Disneyland would come up and I would notice that the overlap of fandoms was there. So I was like, okay, people of Disney parks love Broadway. And then there were a few friends in the Broadway community that had worked at the parks. And it was always fun to talk to them. Like um, when I learned that Drew Galing, who's an almost famous right now and waitress and a bunch of other things, mm-hmm. we worked at the parks at the same time. He was Prince Charming in the Snow White show oh, and I was on the Autopia. And we were like, that's interesting. So when the pandemic started, I knew that uh, two of my friends, Leslie Margarita and Andrew Barth Feldman, loved the Disney park. So I texted them. I was like, what about a podcast like this? And they were like, we're in whenever you want to do it. And I knew Susan Egan was such a Disney fan. And I was like, let me reach out there. And so once I started connecting with people, they were like, this is amazing. This is super fun talk to more people. It was a time in the theater community when we were completely devastated. We were losing people to the virus. We, our industry was shut down. We were, it was really scary. And I think for a lot of the people I spoke with, there was a joy of talking about something that made us happy. We weren't talking about theater. We weren't talking about COVID. And I even made sure when you go back and listen to them, I say to my guests, you know, this is going to be evergreen we don't want to talk about covid in any way and and there was a, a joy to that and it was really nice mm-hmm. you know connecting with people and so yeah because you know i listened to some of those first few episodes like the one with susan egan and yeah you can't tell when it, yeah. it was recorded yeah, they, yeah. yeah it, it doesn't feel like it was recorded during the COVID yeah. times and i'm I'm yeah. i said you know i wanted it to be an escape 2020 was a really tough year in many ways and mm. i said and I, I did a, a trailer episode and I was like, I just want this to be joyful. I want it to make people happy. And so one of the earlier people I interviewed, an example of kind of how this spiraled out was um, Eric Anderson and Jessica Rush were both working at the parks. And I worked with both of them and they're lovely. And and they said, oh, you should talk to Kayla Settle. I was like, oh. And then I talked to Kayla and she's like, oh, yeah, I love Disney parks. You should talk to Jesse, Jesse Mueller. And I was like, okay, okay great. 
And so eventually, and, you know, of course, when I started the idea, everyone was like, when are you going to have Adina on? And I was like, you know, <laughs> as much as I, I love Adina very much, and, and she's such a wonderful human being, she's not necessarily one that goes to the Disney parks on her days off. And I said, I'm not sure if, no. if she's a if she's the right fit. Um, but then, of course, when, when I did have Adina on, she did share how much she loved the parks. And I was like, this is something special. And, you know, over 100,000 downloads later, it's like, I think people... Yeah love this and it's it's yeah oh yeah congratulations on that by the way thanks it's been really joyful and creating merchandise and you know as as you know making podcasts yeah. doesn't feel lonely and unlike <laughs> theater i'm not in the room with people enjoying the art i'm making so when someone yeah. says oh i listened to this episode i really liked it i was like wow that was two years ago and i i recorded that in my sister's car in her garage like i'm so <laughs> glad you liked it um <laughs> yeah. you know because coming from theater it's like I'm I'm there. It's a shared experience. So podcasting is is new to me. I yeah. when I started, I was like, oh my gosh, everyone has a podcast. Will anyone want to listen to me? Like, but I I think as you're learning too, it's like the more niche and specific you can be, and and if you really care about it, I think people will be attracted to that passion. Yeah, yeah. Because I have one that's going to be more of a general thing, and that's going to be the third one launched. But I find like I don't and I don't know why it took me so long to really just like. Because I was doing live art outside Yankee Stadium, and then you know I love the Disney stuff, but I would always just be like, "Hi, I'm Craig Mahoney, and I do this and this and this and this and this and this and this," and, this. and to really just take, all right, let me just take the Yankee stuff and the Disney stuff, and just really just aim it at these two, these two groups here. Um, yeah, but yeah, like we we're saying, like the this, I think yeah, the parks you know do hold a special attraction for theater people. A lot of them, it probably was some of their first job performing or whatever. It's funny, the podcast for me is is the opposite it feels less lonely because i'm by myself in an art studio like 10 to 12 hours a day depending on the day and you know it's me and the dog essentially and then like this is a oh i get to talk to someone else for a little while because i have hopefully i might go back and start maybe doing some stand-up comedy and some singing a little bit here and there but i used to i used to perform a lot uh and so the last couple of years has been mostly just you know me here so the podcast is like the opposite it's like oh i get to I get to have a little bit. This is human contact for yeah. me. <laughs> but uh, so ha- uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, so your relationship with Idina. Oh, sure. Um, I was the associate director on If Then, which was a new Broadway musical written by Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie and directed by Michael Greif. And um, it was really amazing to work on because it, it was a totally original, brand new Broadway musical. Um, and it started Idina and Anthony Rapp and LaChance and James Snyder, just really wonderful people. And, you know, pretty quickly in the rehearsal process, um, I ended up, uh, you know, working closely with Adina on some stuff. And uh, as a fan of hers, um, you know, I loved Wicked. I loved Wild Party. I was, I didn't know who she was as a person. And I mm-hmm. I just couldn't get a grasp on it. And I, I, the first moment I met her and I was like, oh, this is such a warm, loving woman. Um, and we really uh, connected in a really lovely way. And you know, um, I think over the years we've, we've built a trust. And so while if then was still playing on Broadway, she was uh, doing a show at radio city and I just helped her with some ideas. And then um, it kind of turned into uh, every once in a while, when she's got a concert tour, I'll help her out with some scripting things or, you know, staging. And I'm, I'm so fortunate that a, a such a talented, amazing human being Thinks that I'm also a talented person. And so <laughs> I feel very honored when, nice. she, when she asked me to help her out with things. And 
Um, what's really special is in 2018, she went on tour um, that ended at Madison Square Garden and uh, Josh Groban was on the tour as well. And, um, you know, she brought me along to help with some things and there was a film crew and it turns out that that's now a documentary that's coming out in December on Disney Plus. And oh, wow. I got to watch it in New York a few weekends ago. Um and it's like I'm going to be on Disney Plus, and it's it's oh, that's really awesome. special. And um, I hope everyone checks it out. It's called Which Way to the Stage, and I mean, for me to be part of a documentary in itself is amazing. And because I I'm not one to be in front of a camera, I don't want to be on mm-hmm. stage. I want to uplift those people. Yeah. Um, so to watch a documentary and it and there I am talking about lighting or staging, and it says you know my name and show director, which is so cool. But the fact that it's on Disney Plus is like, oh yeah. my gosh, oh, um, that's awesome. So it's 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 a. And really you've seen great... it already, so you know you made the final cut. I you made know you're the in final it. Cut. I was <laughs> it, I was joked um, because when when she let me know that you know I'm in it and there's moments and I said it's probably going to be like a Monsters Inc. Mike Wazowski moment where he's really excited <laughs> and it's going to be like you're going to see like my head in the background and and to me that would have been enough. That would have been so cool. Um, but it's a really amazing documentary. It's it's cool to see Adina's um, dream of performing at Madison Square Garden come true and her vulnerability and her trust in, in the people around her. But, you know, it's great when you um, get to create things with people you love. And I'm, again, there's still moments where I'm just so um, touched that, you know, this woman that I would, you know, sing along to Wicked with in my car in college is now texting me about things like it's, it's really cool. And um, I'm, I'm really glad that the community and the world can see what a, a kind soul she is. So, well, that's awesome. That's a great fun. story. Yeah. And my, my mother, by the way, said, I uh, want, wanted me to tell you that she loved, uh, she loved her on Glee as Liam. Oh, Schell's mother. Right. <laughs> my I'm, mother's probably the, old, the, the old, might be one of the only people who was like, that's her first thought of idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people listening to this podcast, obviously Elsa and frozen, but yeah. Right. <laughs> what was cool just during, if then it was, you know, we were in DC in 2013. So we got a, a private screening with Adina to see frozen. So we saw it before it came out. So we didn't know what it was. And, and it was really, I remember after let it go, you know, in the movie, there's a moment mm-hmm. of kind of silence and in the theater in Washington, DC, we all were screaming and, and yeah, this yeah. summer I got to go to Walt Disney world with Adina for, um, she hosted a live special for harmonious live, which was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, um, is that the one on Disney plus? It is on Disney plus. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, but anyway, we were there and we got to see on and Elsa together and take some photos. And then we went on frozen ever after. And it was the strangest thing to be in a ride vehicle on Frozen, watching Elsa sing Let It Go with Adina right in front of me. <laughs> I took a video and I was like, I hit her on the shoulder. I was like, that's you. Like, it's the it's the strangest. It's cool. I mean, it's... It's great. Now, that, yeah. speaking of, like, now diehard uh, Disney World people still miss the... Um, uh, what Maelstrom. The heck? Maelstrom. Yeah, yeah. I don't really remember it that much. I, I, I like Frozen Ever After. I, I think it's great. great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, she's, uh, she's fantastic. That's so cool, man, that you're going to be on Disney plus. That's, that's, <laughs> that's really great. <laughs> Congratulations. It's, it's that's awesome. Peak. It's, peak. it's going to be the peak of my television career. I know it. <laughs> well, let's go a little bit. So now let's talk about, cause, uh, we, you know, we, we love classic animation here and you are, I mean, I'm looking at behind you right now. You got two pieces of dopey artwork. You got the classic Mickey phone. So what, it, what is it about dopey? So Dopey is amazing. Um, what, what's funny is, and I want to know your favorite Disney character as well, but people, you know, when I, when I talk, I love asking people because 
they always will say a character and I say, is it because you relate to them or is it because you love them? So it's like, I don't relate to Dopey in any way. I actually think Dopey is the complete opposite of me. He is a, he's a follower. He is um, maybe not the most intelligent. He doesn't really think past what's in front of him. Um, he just kind of go like when the dwarfs are like, you should go upstairs. And he's like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, um, but as a kid, I think that innocence, that joy, he, there's no pretense to dopey. And I know, again, I know he's like one of seven, but, um, I just love him. And I was on a podcast talking about the new, um, Snow White's Enchanted Wish attraction and my thoughts on it and specifically dopey. And what's funny is when people look at classic Disney movies and the artwork, they're going to talk about Sleeping Beauty for the tapestry art and the the the, yeah. the, the way in which the animators did that. And they're going to talk about Cinderella. Ivan Durrell, one of my heroes. Uh, I'd love to own some original Ivan Durrell art. Right, right. Sleeping Beauty. So. And then we, we talk about Cinderella and and the shadows and the light and the, and yeah. the landscape and the architecture. But no one talks about Snow White. And I was like, what Snow White to me is and why as a kid I loved it is starting with Snow White's dress, it's the primary colors and the use of color in Snow White is incredible mm-hmm. to me. And the color scheme of Dopey and the dwarfs, just the palette, I think as a kid drew me to it, but um, Dopey just always makes me laugh. He's always, and I, I just love, I hope that's my legacy. I hope, you know, I would love to win a Tony award one day. I would love to have a window on main street, but if my legacy is, Oh, he's the guy that like Dopey, I'll be okay with that. I think he's great. What about Craig? What's your, <laughs> your favorite? Well, well yeah. before we uh, let me uh, oh, yeah, can elaborate a little on Dopey. So, because I'm actually going to be doing a, I'm going to do a little uh, like a Blu-ray commentary, like a DVD commentary that I'm going to record uh, for premium uh, Substack subscribers. Um, and at the 85th anniversary of Snow White is coming up on uh, gotcha. December 21st. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do one for each of the original, the first five classic animated features. I'm going to do a little commentary. Uh, but yeah, there's the, the uh, who's it? The good Gustav Tengren and uh, Al- Albert Herter. Uh, I might be screwing up that second name. But the uh, these European uh, illustrators who kind of gave uh, both Snow White and Pinocchio that sort of very European very storybook feel those great and Claude Coates those gorgeous watercolor backgrounds for it so I will happily talk about the art of both but you mentioned color scheme and that's one of the things I think that makes Dopey stand out you look at all the dwarves there's a lot of warmer colors a lot of browns a lot of reds a lot of very earthy dirt in the you know stuff and Dopey has this bright purple and this bright green, like it really does stand out. Like he, like they, they specifically like chose those colors to, you know, there's so much of it, you know, not just the ears and that he's beardless and he's got the big head, but like the color choice was very specific to separate yeah. him from the rest of the dwarves. Love it. You know, they're have- all like a fall and he's a spring. <laughs> I, it's high. It's hitting. Cause I have, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't oh. put up yet, but I finally was able to get my hands on a cell. And so oh is, man, it's you know it's it costs a lot of money, but I'm holding in yes. my hand. This is a, a it's a moment when um, Snow White wants them to wash their hands before dinner, and mm-hmm. it's a original cell. And it's I've got some sketches that didn't make the cut to the movie, but yeah. Um, For those of you, obviously, this is an audio podcast. It's a cell of Dopey with his hands. You know, when they all put their their hands behind their backs to hide the fact that they haven't washed them, and he's looking up sheepishly. I know. And, uh, yeah, it's a great moment. Um, 
Yeah, no, that Dopey's uh, so good. But yeah, I, I was glad you brought up uh, the use of color There's, because that is one of the yeah. things that I that about to me about Dopey that stands out. I'm one of the genius things about that movie. It really is. There was something in in that same book, Walt Disneyland. She talks about Snow White, and as they were as he was creating the 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 movie, he's quoted by saying something along the lines of, "Dopey doesn't speak because I never found a voice that worked for him." Yeah, and I was and like Mel oh, Blank. Do you know Mel Blank uh, recorded Bunny. lines? Yeah, oh, the, the voice of Bugs Bunny. Uh, I I don't know if he actually recorded or if he was he was he was either thought of or maybe cast. I don't know if he. Rec- I know he did record yeah. lines for Giddy and the Cat in uh, in Pinocchio, and right. then, so there was like two instances where Mel Blank was almost going to do some Disney work as well, and they decided the character should be mute instead. But Mel Blank, he does have a hiccup. Uh, a Gideon's hiccup oh, oh, oh. Pinocchio. That is the one and only time you'll hear a Mel Blanc voice. <laughs> to see. Uh, cool. like, but yeah, yeah. But I love it. I think what the, what made them. I think the, there's a weird thing where I think the reason Dopey appeals so much is they kind of made him. I think there was they didn't know exactly what to do with them. You know, there was always like a seventh dwarf in in every iteration, most iterations, who was kind of the oddball. You know, and and it could be odd or the odd the odd dwarf out in, in one way or the other. But I think that what they kind of lacked on, uh, tacked onto in a certain way with Dopey is he's like a puppy. <laughs> like yeah. Basically, they make him like a puppy dog. Yeah. And that's why he's, who doesn't love puppies? And that's why everyone loves Dopey <laughs> so much. But uh, I know we're running short on time. I know you got to go. Well, so no, I do want to well, get my favorite characters. Yeah. Donald Duck and uh, Jiminy Cricket. Nice. Yeah. Are- and Donald, because I do identify with him a lot, but I love Donald and that he's uh He's got that little enthusiastic boy about him, and then like it turns on a dime where he's got he he's like a little boy where he's like be very enthusiastic. He's got that oh boy oh boy. You know, I can't do the voice, um, but and then you know he just just that flash of temper and he loses it and uh, and Jiminy Cricket is just such he's such a great like he's almost like a Will Rogers character. He's got like yeah. this great sort of American. Uh, you know he's got that he's he's a little bit of a wise wise cracker, but he you know but he's. Uh, you know, got that very sort of that Midwestern sort of or the friendliness, but with a little bit of that wry sensibility. And he, you know, he gets annoyed, and uh, he's he is in a, in a very very European fairy tale story. He's like this this very like late thirties nineteen forties American character in there, and uh, he's great. Those are my those are my two those favorite good choices. Uh, characters. They're good choices. And so, I mean, like, again, that's the thing of, like, you maybe relate to Donald and you appreciate Jiminy. Like, it's cool. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think if there's a Disney character I relate to. And honestly, and, and a few friends have said it to me, and it's I, it's so amazing that they would think this. But sometimes I'm like, I think I kind of relate to Mickey, of all people. Like, trying to trying to help people, trying to find the good of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to share earlier, it, have you ever seen Duck Soup? It's a Marx Brothers movie. From- I, yeah, like several, several times. And so <laughs> I love I watched- Duck Soup. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> so I watched it with my friend Nick years ago, and I was like, that's dopey. I forgot Harpo, which yeah, Marx in Brothers. that movie. Yeah. And so Harpo, then I did, yeah. I did some research, and Walt Disney did base a lot of dopey on that. And I was like, but yeah. again, like, of course, it's me watching a Marx Brothers movie being like, that's dopey, not the other way around, but... Um, Groucho, I relate to. Groucho was one of my heroes. <laughs> I actually did a Marx Brothers mural in my old high school. <laughs> oh wow, that's very niche yeah. and specific. <laughs> Must have been very yeah. cool. <laughs> you know? There's, yeah, you'll hear me. I'll drop like a mark. I'll drop like one or like rare, uh, rare lines from Duck Soup. By the way, oh, speaking of uh, animation and stuff, the Bugs Bunnies. Of course, you realize this means war comes from Groucho and Duck Soup. Um, 
Speaking and now speaking of you helping uh, people, I didn't read the final paragraph in your bio. Well, you have a uh, you have your own uh, charity. Uh, so I'm going to read every year. David proudly presents the Living for Today concert series, which brings together Broadway performers for a night of music to benefit. Uh, is it Gilana or Gilana? It's Gilana. Gilana's Fund, a nonprofit organization that to uplift the support uh, that uplifts and support organizations which celebrate and promote equality, justice, inclusion, and acceptance of our communities, each other, and ourselves. Um, the fund was created in 2007 after your sister. Uh, passed away at the age of 26. And uh, to date, uh, the fund has raised over $100,000. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And, uh, yeah, just, I'd love know, to. Also, my deepest condolences uh, Thanks, about your Greg. sister. Thank that's, you. Yeah, I love I love talking about this. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was really, you know, terrible to lose a sibling. And Gilana was such a force of nature. And um, when she passed away, the the town really raised a lot of money and it, it kind of sat there and we weren't sure what to do with it. But the idea of the fund is to continue the work that Gilana cared about, that I care about, that my family cares about, which is to make the world a better place that, you know, we we're dealing a lot with people that live in fear of people that are different. And uh, we give grants to organizations that are really trying to make a difference and trying to teach, especially the next generation about inclusion and justice and acceptance. And so um, I'm really fortunate that my Broadway friends are able to help me. Again, we took a pause in the pandemic, but we'll come back. And uh, I think I did 12 of them and I'll, I'll get back to doing the 13th one soon, but just a night of raising money and for this fund and announcing the fund recipients. If you want to learn more information, check out gilanasfund.org. That's G-I-L-A-N-A-S. F-U-N-D, gilanasfund.org mm-hmm. um, for ways to donate. And it's like it's a kind of a fund too that even if financially you can't support it, you can still support it emotionally. You can still make a difference and follow what the fund is doing just by, you know, helping people that are different than you. I, I think that's, again, it's what we love about Disney. I think mm-hmm. it's a lot about helping the people that need the help and it's, you know, if you if we take our lead from Mickey Mouse, Mickey's going to hug everyone and he's going to make it safe and special. If we could all be like Mickey, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, no, oh, definitely. And you know, it's and as much as the the name Disney and the brand Disney is associated with this very like I said sort of maybe a little more uh, socially conservative middle American traditional values or whatever as we were saying there a lot of those protagonists were rebels and and there yes. is and a lot of disney and disney movies are celebrating the oddballs and again with the muppets too which i loved growing up uh, watching the muppets is they were all weirdos you yes. know and i was always weirdo <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know so i'm like it's you know i definitely i i love that there is a place in in disney however you feel maybe like a little bit of you know you know outcast or or not entirely fitting fit in there is some place in Disneyland, in Walt Disney World, in these movies, for for you to find yourself yeah. and to have a little bit of a home, you know, and and that is what I think why why people like you and me are doing what we do, and the yeah. people listening are probably listening to this. It really is, and I and man, and uh, I think it's great what you're doing, and I'm glad you're able to, you know, to take a, a tragedy and 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 you know make something positive uh, out of it and, and bring something to the world. I think it's it's, it's absolutely wonderful, and I'm actually thank you. I'm working. I'm finishing up a series of paintings right now. There's five of them, uh, Mickey through the years, and I'm going to be doing a limited signed and numbered series of a hundred uh, prints of these five. But I'm going to give five, uh, one one you know set of those prints to you for Galanis Fund to do whatever. Oh. If you can get any money uh, off them, 
that's, Christ, that's uh, so kind I of you. I don't know how I don't know how much you'll get, but yeah, you know, can get you lunch. Who knows? <laughs> Thank you. That's so kind of you. Thank you for that. Yeah, well, you're welcome. We'll, we'll auction it off. We'll make a lot of money, and everyone's going to have an original Craig piece of art, and and, and <laughs> change the world. But I do have to, yeah, I, you know, as I'm looking over your shoulders at your incredible art, and I've seen on your Instagram the the skills, and I love watching because again, like Dopey is. And and Mickey, their their art, but to see someone, another artist, take their approach at it too, and you can always see a little bit of the artist when you draw Mickey, when you draw Dopey, and I always love seeing that. So, um, no. but that's very kind. Thank you very much. No problem. Well, listen, it was great uh, talking. I know you got to run here. It's uh, we both have busy days ahead of us here. Yeah, on, on a Sunday, no less, I a know. holiday Sunday. But we we got we got things to do. The world does not stop. Not anymore. The world stopped long for long enough. Now we, yeah, we now we're all playing catch up here. <laughs> well, listen, I know I really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for coming by. And um, yeah, good, good luck with the fun and everything else. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get to meet up in person and, uh, yeah. or, you know, we'll do another episode and talk again. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, Greg. Thank you. And that'll do it. That'll wrap things up for this week's episode of In Walt's Time with uh, David Alpert, who I hope you enjoyed uh, as much as uh, listening to as much as I enjoyed talking to. He's he's really a great guy, very warm, uh, very sweet. Obviously, loves Disney, and you know has the podcast E Ticket to Broadway is great, and I like it because it you know it is a very it's a different angle, you know, and it's bringing more of that theater world thing into it, and maybe uh, something that if you know if you're a regular Disney podcast listener or history buff that you weren't aware of. Um, but yeah, I think he's definitely a uh, a very uh, great member to have in the Disney community, you know, because of the because of the sort of love and warmth that he brings. Um, so I do want to thank him for coming by. Check him out on uh, check out the podcast. Check out his Instagram. He's also got some very very cool merch and t shirt designs designed by a uh, artist named Jess Siswick, and they do some very cool mashups where it's like they're both Disney Park and Broadway like musical references. Which uh, it's very cool designs, and a uh, few of them I, I don't get the theater, or the Broadway references, but a lot of them I do, and then they're just they look great. And if you're a fan of Broadway musicals and the parks, uh, I think you'll definitely find uh, a, something a shirt or two you might you might want to wear. Um, so, and Jess is cool to check out on Instagram as well. Definitely give her a follow. Um, and yeah, that dopey the dopey art is done. Oh, and that picture I mentioned of me uh, at Disney World with dopey, I found it, and you could go to the Substack, you could see that, or my Instagram, I'll post it there in Walt's time. So uh, definitely, we got the dopey prints for sale, right? And those Mickey Mouse ones will be done we're going to be doing signed and numbered prints uh selling those we are going to be doing some special stuff for walt's birthday we're going to be celebrating the 85th anniversary of snow white and the seven dwarfs coming up and for premium subscribers i'll have that sort of uh, that movie commentary available and for premium subscribers uh check out after this episode i'll be talking about the Iger chapek stuff and i'll give the rest of my thoughts oh i have so many thoughts man can i talk uh about mickey the story of a mouse um, so yeah, become a premium Substack subscriber, $5 a month or just $50 a year. That's uh that's a savings of 10 bucks a year. Kids can't beat that. Uh, craigmahoney.substack.com go to big cartel between now and December 9th, enter CM holiday for 25% off your entire purchase. Uh, also follow in Walt's time on Instagram. Like I said, and there's the stuff of T public and that's it. Like rate review, uh, tell all your friends and please 
Dear listeners, fellow Disney fans, between now and next week's episode, have yourself a great, big, beautiful week. Thank you.